0: Hello and welcome to this, the third episode in the Love and Law podcast with me, Hannah. This week we are looking at protests and police powers. Protests have been in the news quite a lot the past few weeks, as they have been for the last year, really. We had the Black Lives Matter movement. And from that, we had the crowds of people who swarmed to protect the Churchill statue, who are almost opposing the Black Lives Matter movement. We had the Reclaim the Streets vigil after the murder of Sarah Everard, in which four women were arrested. And most recently, we had the anti-lockdown protests and the Kill the Bill protests. That's the most recent one um, in Bristol. That's caused quite a, a stir in the papers as well. Protests have been in the news quite a lot the past few weeks, as they have been for the last year, really. We had the Black Lives Matter movement, and from that we had the crowds of people who swarmed to protect the Churchill statue, who are almost opposing the Black Lives Matter movement. We had the Reclaim the Streets vigil after the murder of Sarah Everard, in which four women were arrested. And most recently, we had the anti-lockdown protests and the kill the bill protest that's the most recent one Um, in Bristol that's caused quite a a stir in the papers as well. Now I asked listeners whether protests should be allowed to go ahead during lockdown and people really split on this one 56% of listeners said yes and 44% of listeners said no. If we start with the Black Lives Matter protests, they started out in America after the death of George Floyd, who was killed by a police officer, and it naturally triggered outrage and protests over there, which were then supported in the UK. And many people argued that people should not have been protesting during a lockdown. Now, the Black Lives Matter movement did originally start online, and acts such as Taking the Knee happened, which still received a lot of scrutiny. Football is a prime example of this. Some people in the UK were outraged by footballers just taking the knee as a message of let's stamp out racism. And one man was so angry by this that he flew a plane over the stadium with a banner reading White Lives Matter. Now, kneeling in the stadium, that wasn't breaking any lockdown rules. It wasn't breaking any sort of COVID restrictions. Footballers are made to take COVID tests regularly regularly. Um, So if people were still outraged by an act that wasn't risking the spread of COVID-19, then it leaves us to ask how many people were actually just outraged by the subject of the protest rather than it being during a pandemic? in june 2020 thousands of people protested and rallied around churchill statue claiming to want to protect the statue obviously after the statue in um, bristol got dumped into the to the river the statue of the slaver um and many of those people weren't wearing masks and there seemed to be a lot of alcohol involved it almost seemed more like a day out than a protest um And then again with the anti-lockdown protests, lots of people gathering, weren't wearing masks. I'm really split on this subject. I ask listeners the question, but when I ask myself whether protests should be allowed, I struggle to give a yes or no answer. When I saw the anti-lockdown protests, I'll admit the first thing I thought was, why we're so close to lockdown ending anyway? Why protest about that now when we're nearing the finish line? Why risk putting us back a step but then I also thought, these people have a right to protest, as with the others. I felt more opposed to those protesters and the protesters protecting Churchill statue than I did the other protests that have happened. And I guess that was because of my moral beliefs. But at the end of the day, we can't pick and choose which side of that question we are on based on whether we agree with the subject matter. Democracy just doesn't work like that. And for me, peaceful protests are essential to our society. Change doesn't happen without voices and without movement. Now, it's understandable that protests do need to be policed. There will always be that risk of people taking things too far during a protest when we think back to when the Conservatives and the Liberal Democrats were in a hung parliament and the university fees went from 3,000 a year to 9,000 a year, students quite rightly protested peacefully against this. Then there was people who weren't a part of that cause started a riot and it it almost belittled the cause that the students had when people were just going and looting and causing trouble for the sake of it. it it sort of belittled the message that those students were trying to get across but it's quite right that that you know that that protest was policed in order to keep people safe you know the police they do have an important job in society um without police to enforce the law it would just be mayhem wouldn't it and, and nobody would really feel safe but when do we feel safe from the police. Um, I know it was like the whole outrage with Sarah Sarah Everard. And then do police go too far in protests as well? Um, as we saw in the vigil that was held in London after Sarah Everard's death, four women were arrested. And those women didn't seem to be causing a ruckus. They didn't seem to be rioting or looting or causing you know harm to the public they were just stood peacefully protesting for women's rights to feel safe and a few of them commented and said that police were pushing people against the barriers and the police were almost trying to cause a stir they were trying to get a reaction and four women were arrested and there's obviously a picture in the papers of one woman she's wearing a mask and and she's on the floor and you just think was that necessary is that a is that a necessary use of force for the action that was happening you know she was just stood peacefully protesting did she need you know wrestled to the ground by police officers you have to ask those sort of questions um i think police brutality has been an issue um for a long time in protests especially um and i'm talking way back when now but on Black Friday on the 18th of November 1910 more than 300 women assembled to protest after they missed out on the right to vote and 200 of those women were assaulted by the police and if you read up a lot of these women said that they were you know bashed to the ground they were having batons hit against them and some claimed that they were groped by the police on the ground you know the police were trying to get them up but Grow up in their breasts and trying to put their hands up their dress and those women were simply stood there saying we deserve the right to vote we deserve equal rights to men you know and it they were met with brutality and although we don't have you know that sort of level anymore could the you know, the events at the vigil in London, could that be the start of something? And with this new anti-protest bill um, that's coming up, and I'll talk more about that later, um, is that the stepping stone to letting police, you know, just manhandle people? Is it? Is it the government's way of using the police to sort of stomp out anybody's protest, anybody's chance for change? now i don't believe in in using violence to get what you want i think if you use violence then you've sort of you've undermined your own cause really um i don't believe in arson you know setting things on fire i think a few of the protests that we've had over the last couple of years have gone a bit possibly too far um but then there's also the question of how far is too far? Because sometimes simply talking doesn't doesn't get the answer that you need, you know. Um, if those women in the suffragette movement all those years ago had just gone right, well, we tried to protest; it didn't work. Let's just go back to our lives. Then we might not have had the right to vote today, um, as women. And they obviously went through horrific things. You know, a woman tied herself to. A horse and carriage. One woman tried to pin a rosette to the king's horse and she was killed doing it. A lot of suffragettes were arrested and they went on a hunger strike. You know, that's another peaceful action by them. It only really sort of affected them physically by going on a hunger strike to say, no, we're not di- like putting up with this. And then they were force fed. Um, if you read up on it, it was really brutal, like force fed with funnels and just a really hard time and you know the government were trying to oppress these people who had one goal and you know and can we sit back and let you know the government have powers to maybe try and oppress our views and and opinions again So the Police Crime Sentencing and Courts Bill 2021 has recently passed its second hearing and people are really unhappy about it and if this bill is passed it will give police more powers on restricting protests and this will include giving protests a start and finish time and restricting the noise level of protests Um, and I just I suppose, how far are they going to restrict that? Are they going to, you know, say to people, okay, you can protest, but you can only do it between, I don't know, 2pm and 3pm, and then you have to go home and you can't use any sort of... You know, you have to be quiet when you do it. That, that That's not a protest. That doesn't get you noticed. That doesn't get things done. It's easy for the government to turn a blind eye of all there's, this, I don't know, a... a a thousand people outside but they're stood quiet and they're only going to be there for an hour that doesn't make change you know and the government are arguing that this bill it's going to allow the police to keep people safe you know and um, I do believe in keeping people safe as I mentioned when violence is involved you know arson things like that absolutely it can't get to the point where there's absolute mayhem because that's not fair on on anybody really but we can't also be restricted we can't have our voices as a society restricted to how long and how loud we can be you know (laughs) like voice uh, change doesn't happen without noise change doesn't happen without voices and is this bill going to conflict with our human rights article of 11 of the human rights act gives protects our rights to hold meetings and demonstrations with other people now there are exceptions to this um a local authority can restrict sort of this right when it's to protect national security or public safety and for things like protect health or morals and could it be argued that right now at the moment that by prohibiting protests were protecting you know public safety were protecting health because there is a pandemic going on there is a virus that is is spread um through respiratory drops you know if you if you're coming into close contact with people are you going to spread this virus um and i do like i said when i saw the anti-lockdown um protest i just thought like why now and on all these people not wearing masks they're not even taking that sort of one little step Um, And I do feel sorry for, for all the people working in the NHS, you know, that are working incredibly hard and have done for the past year and a bit to, you know, keep us all safe and, and take care of those that are, are, you know, really poorly with COVID-19. But if we sort of roll over and let this happen now, while there's a pandemic, you know, and, and we see it from the point of, oh, yes, well, restricting it now, it keeps everybody safe is that what we're going to want post-pandemic, you know, because um, it, it's not going to last forever. One way or another, we are going to have some sort of normal life again. You know, the, there's vaccines being rolled out. Um, the virus might eventually just get through everybody and people with either being vaccinated or built up an immunity to it or, you know, it could be one of these things like the flu. Um I'm not saying that COVID-19 is like the flu it's not it's a totally different virus and it's obviously a lot more serious but the flu virus there's a reason we have a different vaccine for them every year because the virus mutates and that who knows um I'm certainly not a virologist I'm not a medical profession in any way um and we do need to just listen to those people that you know that have the knowledge on this and the expertise to tell us when it's safe but when it is safe do we want to have lost our li- right to protest because of the sort of fear that we've had now, you know? And how many laws is the government going to try and pass in that time knowing that we can't protest the way we do now? You know, if that bill's passed and and our, our rights to protest are, are restricted and our voices are restricted, what else are they going to bring in that is going to be you know, not the best for everybody in the country. And people need to be able to stand up and say, no, that's wrong. You know, and and I know that the government is elected, you know, we do have a choice in the fact that we elected, but, you know, I try not to get too much into politics. But politicians don't always carry out on their promises you know I think a lot of things are promised during general elections sometimes they don't always happen or sometimes agendas change and we need to be able to say right no we don't agree with that law that's coming in we need the right to do that because it's not really democracy if only you know a a room full of people you know the house of commons if, if they're the only ones who can make sort of big de- big changes and decisions for this country that are going to affect everybody. Um, so, yeah, the, the right to protest, I know I'm rambling a bit now, but the right to protest is really, really important. And like I said, if we're going to be restricted on on how loud we can be and, and what times we can do it, um, like I said, the vigil, that was at night time. Um, and that wasn't because people wanted to cause a ruckus in the dark. It was because women don't feel safe at night. Um, there a lot of women are frightened to walk home in the dark and and the whole point of that vigil was reclaim the streets you know we are allowed to walk wherever we want at whatever time we want and we shouldn't have to fear violence so to be restricted and told when we can and can't protest it's it almost feels like a dictatorship um I'm not sure um how you all feel about that You can, like I say, you can always um, message the Love and Law podcast Facebook page or Instagram and let me know your thoughts. To me, to restrict how somebody can react to things that they don't agree with in the country is it's it's just not the the sort of democratic state that I believe the UK is or is meant to be. Um, I think we've worked too hard over the years to be able to have freedom of speech and freedom of protest to get that taken away from us. If you feel that it is important to protect our, our rights protest, there are things you can do. You can write to your local MP and ask them to oppose the bill and, you know, give your reasons why. There are petitions you can sign by going to petitions.parliament.uk and you can submit written legislative scrutiny on the bill through committees.parliament.uk um, there's a few people that have have done that you know you get to submit up to 1,500 words of your scrutinies within the bill Um, I know the bill isn't just focused on protests there are some other th- other um, issues in there that people are having and they're saying you know this is affecting our human rights so you can go and submit you know 1,500 words of scrutiny on that bill as well you know it's important that we have a voice and an opinion and and we say what we feel about a bill that's going to go through so my shout out of the week this week and I feel like it's a bit of an obvious one and she hasn't been around for a while now but Her actions way back when shaped a long-lasting change and, you know, instilled a sense of bravery and democracy in us all. And that is Emmeline Pankhurst, who founded the Women's Social and Political Union. You know, she sort of almost started the suffragettes movement. Um, And she was one of the main... Obviously, there was a lot of suffragettes that deserve, you know, recognition, but she's one of the main ones, I think, I think everybody has heard of Emmeline Pankhurst. I know there's books for children that are written on um, influential influential female leaders and she's one of them. Um, So yeah, I think without her and her band of suffragettes, you know, protesting and proving that if you stand up for what you believe in, you can make a change, you know. People might not, not be doing it today, you know. They proved that, you can't let your voice even as an individual you can make a change and as a group we can be heard louder and I feel like she's just a really appropriate um, shout out of the week this week so next week my podcast episode is going to be on disability and we are going to have a guest on, Laurie Cox, who is a sports journalist. She is a mental health activist. Um, she has a YouTube channel and she really helps people. But one of her sort of main struggles at the moment is she has a condition called Ehlers-Danlos Syndrome. And it's not a very known or heard of Um syndrome it is quite a rare genetic disorder and she is going to come on and talk to us more about that and how her disability can affect her her in day-to-day life and any sort of barriers she may have had to to overcome and we're going to look at how we as a society maybe restrict people with disabilities and the laws around disabilities and equal rights also next week I am going to be appearing as a guest myself on a podcast by a fellow student who is Millie tescan and she has the podcast Legally Brunette podcast and I'm going to be going on and speaking about being a mature student um I am 29 so I'm um you know, starting my degree sort of later on in life, I guess. Um, But by university standards, 21 is classed as a a mature student. And at 21, you're still a baby, really, aren't you? Um, You're still young. Um, But I'm going to be going on and talking about what it's like to be a mature student and what it's like to be a parent um, while studying as well. So next week, I will post the link on the Love and Law podcast page for her podcast as well for you all to have a listen to especially for anyone who's interested in studying law and I will post a question for you all to answer regarding the next episode on disability thank you for listening and see you next week